Toilet though, overflow, yeah. overflowed it. We're recording. Oh, we are. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll just uh, erase that. Okay. So, let's talk about. We were just going to get into revival and the way that it was received, and you were you were about to give some of your thoughts on why they may have been the case. Well, if you remember when, right before the album came out, the track list leaked. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. you remember this, but I said, you watch, people are going to say this shit is trash. And without hearing it, just based on the trash. And I'm not saying I'm not making excuses for that, for that album. I'm just saying like, that was, you think that was a big part of the negative reaction? I think that what might've happened is, you know, sometimes like, let's say you see a trailer for a movie. Yeah. And you're like, man, this shit's going to be trash. And then if the trailer sucks. Yeah. Yeah. This shit's going to be trash. And then your friend makes you go to that movie. Mm-hmm. You're pissed off that you got to go to this movie. Right. You're like, I, even if you thought it was good, great, whatever, you're going to say it's trash because you don't want to be wrong. Okay. So sometimes with certain music critics, and people who write shit about shit. They have the same sort of predisposed idea. Yeah. Or they influence And they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be wrong about some shit. Right. And there are, there, there are a few songs on the album that I do wish I could have back. Like there's, okay. a, I don't know which ones I can't think of offhand, but like there's a no couple of them that weren't, that weren't, you know, great. But then I feel like, I don't know. There's no backsies. So right. I think, I think maybe what you're saying is the track listing came out and it had all these big features on it. And some of them were pop features. Yep. Right. So you thought you you felt like your core fans maybe negatively reacted to the idea that there was big pop artists on this record and they thought it was just going to be some soft fluff project. And it was like in your mind, like seeing a bad trailer. Mm-hmm. And when they went to listen to it, they had this predetermined idea of what they thought the album was going to be like, what it was going to sound like. I told you like. this should be trash. I told you. Yeah. I told they already you thought that it was going to suck. So there was almost nothing that could could have been done. So which is hence the reason that ever since then, every project we drop, there's no rollout. We just drop it because I feel like you give people you give people time to think and 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 say, well he he better have a song like this or I'm not gonna listen to this shit. He better not have a song like this because I ain't listening to that shit. That shit's that shit's trash. So it just depends on what ears you you sit down to listen to music in. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that leads us directly into the next project, which literally came out of nowhere. Kamikaze. Mm -hmm. So you had a very specific agenda with that album, right? Yep. And it mostly was a response to the reaction to revival. 
Yeah. Right? So what was going through your head when, when you went to go make that record? I felt almost like backs against the wall, like kind of feeling. Right, because it, like, was, it was it was just a hangover from the way that people reacted to revival. Yeah. So almost like, okay, you didn't like that. Well, I'm going to hit you with this. Right. It came out of nowhere, literally, and that's why you called it Kamikaze. Yeah, I remember we had this conversation with Dre when Revival first came out. We was in we was in Cali, and we had this conversation. I think you were there for it. And Dre was like, "Yo, I don't like how people are talking about this album." Right. <laughs> I was like, "Me neither." He's like, "Yo, let's go in and just make some shit." And he was like, "But you got to talk that shit again." And I was like, oh, "I know. <laughs> like, I already knew what I had to do." You know, right. but um, it didn't take much prodding to get you there. Sometimes you feel like, you know, like, like if you if you miss a scene out of a movie or some shit. Like you're going to think the rest of the, the movie is trash because you missed if you missed one of the most important scenes. And sure. I feel like one of the things that really, really, I feel like made me salty about that whole shit was that I honestly honestly felt like Castle and A Rose were probably two of the best songs I've written, right? And you know how I'm super hypercritical on myself and all that shit, but like, I felt like, man, I just dumped my fucking heart out and people are literally just calling this trash. And it right. does something to you. And those were you. the last two songs on the project. So yeah. people might have literally not got to them. Right. And it made me feel like that kid again, like I'm, I'm running to show my mom this picture I colored. And she's like, oh, you colored outside the lines. Like that kind of shit. I felt like, okay, y'all must have missed some of these scenes to this movie. And I guarantee you that at least half of those people did not listen to the whole thing. Guarantee it. Certainly possible. Certainly, Certainly. probable. And, and they, could have been, they could have been some of the most vocal about it too. Which is just obviously not fair, right? Yeah. But it's just the world. It's the world we live in. Yeah, it's a world I live in. Well, we all do, and and you know, it for better or for worse, it, it's it's where we are. So yep. it forces you to create this project that is basically you you cocking your fist back and letting letting it fly. And we arrive at Kamikaze, and it's the first surprise project you put out. It comes out of nowhere. You know, it, it's got a lot of really great, strong rapping on it. And what what do you think? What do you think was accomplished by it? What do you you think it had? It had the impact that you wanted it to. I think I think for the most part, yeah. I right, think, and well, I do too. I do too. I was nervous about. The surprise release, because we hadn't done that before, but yeah. people were excited. They were very excited. And there was some, you know, some sort of elation in the fact that you were just sort of back on your just rapping shit. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, I, I saw and heard some shit like, you know, Eminem's literally lost the ability to know how to rap. And you're sitting here like <laughs> listening to shit like that. Like, really? OK. Right. Like expert. It's like you had a whole album full of Detroit basketball. It's like, Yes. And it's like, it's like someone's in, in front of you fucking doing gymnastics and flipping and fucking doing all this crazy shit. And mm -hmm. you're not impressed because you've seen him do it before. Not entertained. Not entertained. 
but wait, what about the fact that he can still do it like that? Nope. Right. Remember nope. I told you a long time ago that if you eat filet mignon every day for dinner, eventually you're going to get tired of it. Yep. It's still filet mignon. It's still great. But if you have it every day, right. it's not that exciting. Right. So sometimes people might feel that way about artists mm-hmm. and their abilities and their talent. Yeah. And it puts you in an unfair position because, hey, look at me. I can still do a triple fucking Lindsay off the diving board, but you've seen me do it 300 times, so you don't care anymore. It's, it's frustrating when, when you're doing some shit technically and people who think they know what the fuck rap is about start giving opinions on it, but they don't hear what the fuck you're doing. And they think that the last thing you like, like if I rhymed an entire fucking sentence and every syllable hit where they would literally think that at the end of it, I was rhyming bat and cat because they skipped over the 30 other syllables you rhymed in between and don't understand because there's an art to that, right? Like G rap has always done it so well. Fucking Kane, LL. Yeah. There's an art to that. And if you're not, we ain't listening with the same ears. So when someone, you know, some fucking, some guy from whatever fucking site is listening to this shit, is not hearing that, you're not going to be able to fully appreciate what the fuck I'm doing and the effort that I'm making to go out of my way to show this is something that most people probably can't do. But you got someone listening to it with some fucked up ears and rating them. Like you have to be a certain type of listener for rap music. Like I, right. You're, you're saying, I think what you're saying is you might not be experts. They might not be experts in the genre, but they give an opinion as, as if they are. Yes. That's, that's what I've been trying to say. Like hip hop, hip hop, man, it, you, you know, this, this culture is so fucking, it's so incredible and it's so great to like, I don't know. It's so great to, to, to be a part of. And yes. you're saying that there's people who, you know, may not, may not live in, in the culture or be a fan of the music full time. And they're just sort of stepping in and giving their opinions when they may not be as experienced as others to be able to have validity behind those opinions. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. All right. So on this album, you know, something really important happens. My my skit is back. Yep. The Return of the Paul skit is on Kamikaze. And then you work with some people for the first time, including Joyner Lucas. Yep. On Lucky You. Joyner, obviously incredible talent, great rapper. How did you guys hook up? What 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 was the process? And and you know, I have to ask you these questions, by the way, pretending that I don't know the answer. Yeah. Because I know the answer. Right. But I want to hear you say it. You don't have all the answers, Paul. No. Neither does Sway. Nope. Neither do I. So, Joyner sent two songs to Royce to get them to me. So, he went through Royce and then Royce sent them to me. And I was right in the middle of making uh, Kamikaze, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Royce was, Royce had become friends with Joyner through whatever, whatever means, right. And had a relationship with him. 
And you had heard his music. I think Royce may have put you onto it, right? I think I don't remember who who put me onto it, but what's the what's what's the song he's got? One of the, the craziest songs I've ever heard. Is it the song about the the kid? Yeah, that goes to the school and you see it from the two different perspectives. Yeah. So me and Royce, I I know at some point, probably around this time, me and him had, had a few conversations about Joiner already, because yep. we were like, bro. This guy's the fucking truth, man. Like, oh, it's a, the the name of that Jordan Lucas song you're talking about is Ross Cappuccioni. Yes. Okay, so that's the first thing you heard. That's the first thing I heard. Well, actually, the first thing I saw was his BET cipher. Oh, okay. Was like right before that. Did you have the Lucky You record already, or did he have it? No, nah, he had, had the it. Record? He had it. He had two songs. One was the um, What If record. Yep. And the other one was the Lucky, Lucky you. you. Right. So you you said, I like the Lucky You record, hopped on it, and yep. said, I want to use this for my record. Yep. And we'll do the other one for yours. Yep. And then we shot a video. For Lucky You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joyner came to Detroit, and we did this, like, post-apocalyptic sort of sort of video that was that was based on kind of the Will Smith movie, right? Yeah. What was that movie called? Huh? I am legend. Yeah. It was based on sort of on I am legend and you guys hit it off and had a, had a good connection. So what happened to the, what if record? Well, I think we, 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 we did it. And then it went through a couple different processes of hooks. Okay. Right? And I remember I got Skylar to write a hook for it. Sure. And to me, that shit was crazy. And okay. I don't know what happened in the like in between that time, but once the record leaked, but well, that's what happened. The record leaked. That's what I was getting to. Yeah, it leaked, and it also leaked without Skyler's hook, so it never really seemed like a complete concept or complete thought. The version that leaked, because I definitely feel like if people would have been able to hear that shit, it would have it would have went over different. But it it was a version without the hook on it. And I think I even rewrote something, the ending or something like that. Right. Yeah. I went, I remember it went through many iterations. So, so then it leaked out. And obviously after that happened, you guys didn't want to release the record, understandably. So, so here we are in, in terms of the process and the records we're talking about. We're, oh, that's we're another issue. Comic- I don't mean to cut you off, but that's, that's okay. another issue. That what if, what if song is another mm-hmm. example of like how the internet can ruin shit. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, leaks. Leaks are terrible. Because you're not supposed to know what the fuck is, you know, Joiner's first two verses. Like, you're not supposed to really, like, you're not supposed to know what the concept is until he says it. But people go in with that frame of mind, you know, where they, they, they don't listen to it like that. I don't know. Right. Well, the truth is that record never came out because you guys didn't get into a place where you were comfortable with it creatively. Yeah. It never got there where you guys were both happy with it. And then it leaked out because people were hacking one of the transfer sites. It was, we transfer yeah. people had hacked in and it was still up there in somebody's folder. And somebody did some, some shit like that with, with the Kanye songs too, huh? Yeah. And the world heard a naked version of the record. So, so much for that.
So here we are at the point where we're we're coming out of Kamikaze. You're on a roll, right? Because Revival comes out in 2017. Kamikaze comes out in 2018. And you are going back to back, for lack of a better description. And you start to work on another project. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me what, what what that was like. Music to be murdered by, right? Uh, yep. I remember that Dre had that had a sample from Hitchcock that he had a beat to years ago. Right. And one day it stuck in my head and I was like, I wonder if I could use that sample for something. And then I think I just started writing and, and, and then basing it off of that concept. So the whole project was sparked by the inspiration from that, that sample that Dre did years back. Yeah. And it always sort of stuck with you. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, that the Hitchcock and his, his whole, his whole vibe and aura is, you know, definitely something that, that is sticky, but it, it sort of framed the record. So there's records like, you know, you going to learn unaccommodating those kind of nights in too deep. Those kind of nights was the first one I recorded for that album. And that's the Ed Sheeran record, right? Yep. There's two other really important records. There's a few, obviously, but there's two really important ones. One of them is Darkness. Yep. And the other one is is Godzilla, right? Yeah. So th- those are sort of the, those songs sort of frame that album for me, right? Tell me like what you think was going through your head when you wrote Darkness, because I know that it, it's a very heavy record. And that's sort of another one of those songs that has the oh shit moments in it, right? Yeah. Holy shit moments. So tell me about what 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 the process was and what inspired you to make that record and, and touch on that topic at that time. Well, Roy sent me a beat and it had Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. It's the Sounds of Silence is the name of the original song. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought Sounds of Violence is the first thing that like popped in my head when Roy sent it to me. Cause it had the, it was weird. It was like structured really weird, but, but, but the sample that he, that he did Simon and Garfunkel shit was like so dark and hopeless to me. Mm-hmm. Just seemed like, and I remember thinking like, I don't, I, I always think about, I always sit and try to think about sometimes, let me rap about some shit that I haven't really rapped about yet. Sure. And it gets harder and harder because the more songs you make, you've rapped about everything. But I thought very much in this, in the, in the frame of mind of bad guy where maybe I could make people think that I'm talking about, I, I don't remember what exactly the first concept was, but that I'm talking about drugs or that I'm talking mm-hmm. about, yeah, like I'm was, talking about was, myself ready to go do a show. Yeah. Like you were going to relapse. Yeah. That was that was the way it sounded. Yep. And then, of course, the twist at the end when you when you realize, like, I think the, I don't remember what line it is, but it's very very similar to Bad Guy. It's one line right. in it where you realize, wait a minute, that don't make sense. Yeah. Oh shit, that's not We're him. We're talking it's- about something entirely different. Yeah. It it was the 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 Las Vegas music festival shootings that really were the ones that w- was the one that made you write this song. Yep. Yeah, man, because so, my daughters go to a lot of concerts. And, sure. and you and you also you also happen to play concerts. I, yeah, and we and we do them. 
And that shit really hit home with me. Not that every other shooting doesn't hit home, but like it just, I related to the situation so much. Like, and it made you realize like you could just be anywhere and the shit can go down. So it was just becoming too common. And that's just such a massive scale for something like that to happen. And it's, you know, just, just a field full of people and a sniper up in a window, just, just terrible. And my other thing was this, because when this, when the shootings were happening, well, they're still happening, but I remember thinking like, okay, we got all these fucking like, oh, well, you need a background check. You need all this shit. Okay. Well, what about the first, what about the person the first time they snap? There's no record of it. If they just fucking snap, you don't even know why. No one even knows why this guy did that. So I kept thinking in my gun control mind, because it's like we never do anything. Like, fucking, it's in the news for two weeks, and then it's gone. And it's on to the next thing, and nothing ever happens with that shit. So my my issue with it, and which is how the song stemmed from, is like, what about... There's a first time for everything. So what about that first timer? You know what I'm saying? Like, they you, don't have a background. You have, no, you have no reason to think that this might happen with this person. Right. There's and no, they just snap and it just, it just happens. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole gun control is a whole nother fucking topic, but. Yeah. That, that one, though, is, you know, something you felt like you needed to address and you addressed and the video was really powerful. And, you know, we got some some sort of gun control organizations, you know, to to give a stamp of approval of what what you were doing and the message you were sending, because it wasn't meant to glorify any of it at all. You were just taking a peek at it from a different perspective, but you never meant for anybody to go, oh, that's cool. Right. You know, I think that I think that if the internet was around like it it is now with Stan, I feel like Stan would have got really ruined really bad. Do you know what I'm saying? Much in the same way that people would would just be like, "Oh yeah, he's got this song. He's about an obsessed fan." Yeah, it's about an obsessed fan. And he kills himself at the end. You know, right? So that that effect that you get from hearing the song for the first time is taken away. Yep. Well, thank God the internet wasn't around during Stan then. So right. the the other song is is Godzilla, right? And you got somebody on that song that you hadn't worked with before. Tell me about that process. Well, I think we had been talking about Juice World for a little while. Sure, and we were both big fans. Yeah, and me just wanting to do something with him. Right. Because so he we, the, the one thing that I think that when I first first showed you to him, he was rapping over some of your instrumentals. Yes. Right. Incredible. And it was, I think it was Westwood maybe or something like that. And he was just crushing these old Eminem instrumentals. And I was like, yo, you got to hear this kid. He's, he's destroying your record. Yeah. So you, you were, you were excited about it. You liked it. And you know, we, we thought like maybe there's going to be an opportunity for you to do something with him one day. Yep. And I remember, I think that, I think I had a, I had a different hook on it and I never was really crazy about it. I think that I had the verses and that was that was kind of the reason that I think that we just asked him if he would do the hook because the verses were already, you know what I'm saying? Like they were already laid and everything. So he sent us back two things that were great. 
And the first one was that monster hook. And I was like, holy shit. And uh, yeah, man, I, I talked to him for the first time, like two days before that whole thing happened. Yeah. So you're saying two days before he, he passed away, mm-hmm. you spoke to him. Yep. It was either the night before or the night, like two nights before, but it was very quickly after we had spoke. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. It was just devastating. I mean, we're lucky to be able to, you know, to, to have met him and for you to, to had, you know, collaborated with him and, you know, fortunately you know, his team and his family were gracious enough for us to still put the record out, you know, Absolutely. but, uh, yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's a blessing in a way to be able to celebrate and we have this, this great record to prove it. Yeah, man. Anybody who has not, if anybody who's not seen him with on, on the Westwood show where he's freestyling over my songs, go look, go look at that shit. Cause bro, he was doing that shit off the top of the head too. Yeah. He was super, super talented. Unbelievable. If you see his, the, the documentary that's out on him, they, he, he, there's a lot of him freestyling in that documentary and, you know, I think he created a lot of his songs that way. Yeah. We just came up with like things on the spot and, and they ended up turning into songs, which is just, you know, a remarkable way to create and what a talent. Yep. All right. So we've got music to be murdered by. And the, the next thing in the last record that we're going to talk about is music to be murdered by the B-sides. So what I remember about this process is you kind of never stopped recording. Right. Right. So 2018 Kamikaze comes out, 2020 Music To Be Murdered By comes out, and you've got enough songs for another album by the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did that happen? I don't know. I just kept writing. So you, you kept writing, and it's just like, you know, pandemic, right? Right. So you were in the studio. And didn't really have anywhere else to go. And I think that might have been part of it, that you just were able to sit in the studio uninterrupted, not have to go on the road, go do promo, go work anywhere else because nobody was going anywhere. Right. And you just kept recording songs. Yeah, I just kept writing because there was nothing to do during the whole shit. So, I mean, I'm always writing, but you know, you know, a lot of times when, when we first put an album out, I'll take a little time off. You know, sure. Chill for a minute, reassess as you, as you should. Yeah. But I just never stopped at that point. It felt like this, they were coming from the same creative place that the records from the first music to be murdered by were, right. were from. Yep. So I think that's why you, you arrived at that decision to, to maybe make it part two. So the, the lead single off of that record was Nat, right? Yep. So tell me about that. Cause you, you definitely referenced COVID in the chorus and, what what were you what were you thinking about at that point? I don't know. I mean, at that point, I was thinking pandemic, and how the right. fuck can how the fuck can we put out music right now when this is happening? But it's but it definitely like inspired a lot of that shit, yeah. a lot of that material. But I think yeah. I was and just another. Gonna, go ahead. I was just gonna say another record where you were just going blacking out lyrically was the, the Alfred's theme record. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was that your idea, was by the way, to take that beat. Right. Yep. Yeah. Cause I was like, you know, that's that theme song for the Alfred Hitchcock 
movies or Alfred Hitchcock Presents was something that I thought could make for an amazing beat. I actually said, I don't know if you can flip it into a beat. And you were like, oh yeah, I can. We can do that. Yeah, because the way that that pattern was, it's a little tricky. It seems like it's... But I made it a, you know, a one-two, a boom-bap, kind of. Yeah. And just put... And it changed and the swing of shit. Yeah. So you made the beat, and then you just decided to black out on it. Yeah, I felt like no hook, no, you know, fuck a hook. That was the first... Well, it wasn't the first record on on the album, but it was it was early on in the album. And then there was the... Another single that we did was Higher, which we shot a video for. And then there was also another record that I really favor from that album was Guns Blazing. Do you remember how that was created? How Guns Blazing was created? Yeah, because it's it's Dre's on that record. Yeah, Dre kept sending me music because that's that's you know that was all there was to do for him and I during this whole shit was like just record. You know what I'm saying? Stay mm-hmm. inside and and record. And he actually sent me a couple of songs. He sent me one that he wanted me to get on. I think that was a, what was the one he wanted me to get on? It came out. It was in the Grand Theft Auto thing or something. Right. That, I jumped on that record. I jumped on two two of the records he sent me. And when I got them finished, I was like, yo, would you trade me? And we traded, I gave him that song, Gospel. Yeah. And then I was like, yo, could you trade me? Would you trade me? And Dre was like, yeah, cool. Because that because yeah. that song fit the album, the theme of the album a little better to me. Mm-hmm. This one was the Guns Blazing joint. And, and sure. it has Sly on it, who's incredible, by the way. Yeah, Sly is one of your your longtime collaborators. And, you know, you've been working with him a lot throughout throughout these projects that we're discussing. Bro, he's a um, huge fucking talent. Huge. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that that Dr. Dre project that he had was from Grand Theft Auto was called The Contract. And that's what he called that sort of EP that he released all the new music through. Well, look, we're we're I don't want to say running out of time, but we've discussed a lot. The only thing that we haven't talked about leading up to this, I think, is the two new records, in addition to the the song from the Elvis movie that people are just now hearing. So the first one was from the D to the LBC, which is one of your one of your few collaborations with Snoop Dogg. So yeah. how did that come about and and where where do you see that going because you guys bounced off each other i think really great the music video was incredible and super well received how did that come about how the song come about yeah well first you know me and me and snoop had a, our little issue and then when when dre when that thing happened with dre the brain aneurysm thing yeah dre got sick and and it was a scare for sure and we were like bro this is stupid this is yeah. stupid as hell to be feuding right now. So I don't I remember if I called him like, or he called me. I can't remember, but yeah, we talked it out. And and I think that there was a miscommunication at the time in regards to him 
being on my album, the Mathers LP, Bitch Please yeah. 2. And I think he had wanted to do something with me and and maybe gave you the idea or something. And you just said, you said something to the effect of, well, let's hear what the song is first. You know, let's see what, what, what the type of song is. And I think he, he said the way that he took it was kind of like that. I don't fuck with him. That I, yeah, didn't fuck I, with I him don't back. remember exactly the circumstances, but yeah, he was looking for you to do something for him, for his record in for a long sort of time. return, return and, for the, for that. And, and whatever I said or somebody else said, I don't even think I said it to him because I don't remember talking to him, but I may have yeah. talked to somebody on his team and whatever I said was relayed back to him in a way that he didn't like. And he thought that meant that you didn't fuck with him, which yeah. obviously wasn't the case. Right. Which I explained to him. Like, I'm like, bro, doggy style changed, changed my like, life. Of course. But Looked yeah. up to him forever. So, so you guys patch everything up and decide what, Hey, we're going to make music now. Oh, I was going to say, I think that that whole thing was just us getting our signals crossed somehow. Because for him to take it, I was like, bro, how, how could I not fuck with you? Like, what? you know what I'm saying? Like, what? You know, yeah, I think you wouldn't I, exist without him, probably. At least at least not in that form with Dr. Dre. Absolutely. Sure absolutely. So we just we 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 talked it out, you know, and realized that how stupid it was to even be feuding at all in the first place. Yeah. And my, you know, my olive branch was bringing Snoop that song. Got it. You know, it was like, plus I knew he'd kill that beat. For sure. So. So you bring Snoop the song, he does it. And I remember you were like, holy shit, what the fuck? Snoop destroyed this record and you get it back. And he initially was going to put it on a project that got put on hold. Right. Right. So you said, well, I want this to come out. It's too good to just sit there. And he said, go ahead, take it, right. put it out wherever you want. So here we are. And we had, you know, this, this greatest hits idea has been around for a while. We were just looking for the right time to do it. And I look at it as like a, you know, sort of just another mark in, you know, the two, the two phases of your career so far, there's the first curtain call yeah. project. And then this one, and it's sort of bookends those records in between. Some fans had taken it to mean that, you know, a curtain call meant that you were, you know, looking to get out of the game or something stupid like that. They, they like to create these conspiracy theories and read things in, read in things in places where they don't exist. Right. Right. So this isn't an indication of anything other than, hey, it's time to put another Greatest Hits compilation together and release it. Right. So here we are. And, and the other record that, that's on it is Is This Love, which is a record that Dre produced that you and 50 are on, but that's from 2009. Yeah. So do you remember what, what the sessions were like and what, what that was originally contemplated to be for? I don't remember. I don't remember that, but I think I, the, 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 the verses were right around relapse time. And I think that Bordering on accents, bordering accent on accents, adjacent? bordering on accents. You recorded that in Vegas, maybe? I think, yes. And, and I remember I didn't want to use it for the album because, <laughs> because the accents weren't thick enough. Really? So you thought it wouldn't fit the accents stew? Yeah. That, I'm pretty that sure is what happened. Yeah. So you had that, it's from 2009 
50 on it. And, you know, it was just sort of sitting there. And I think when we were talking about, you know, what might be good to add to this greatest hits compilation, because you always want to throw some new things on there too. I said, you've got a Dr. Dre record that you never released. And you were like, nope, nope. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, is this, is this love record? And we went back and revisited it and decided that it was time for it to see the light of day. Yeah. I so, felt like, okay, that's, that's the only thing that really from that time period that would, would have stood the test of time the best. Right. Right. So here we are. Is this love? All right. Well, listen, and if there's nothing else that you want to discuss, I think it's a good time for us to wrap this up. No pun intended. It was wonderful talking to you about these things that I already knew about and asking you questions that I knew the answer to. Right. You feel enlightened right now? I do. I feel like I learned nothing and it was a huge waste of time for me personally. However, for the fans, I think they really enjoy this stuff. I think they enjoy hearing the sort of stories that we pull out of each other because they don't get to hear, hear stuff like that. Certainly don't get to hear you talk this much. I don't think you've done an interview at this length for quite some time. So I appreciate it, but listen, it's all for you. It's Paul for you. It's a, yeah. It's right? great because it's my favorite thing to talk about is myself. We so all know. It just works out. We all know. Yo, you can just put the check in, in my bank account. Just put it straight People in People aren't supposed to know you're getting paid for this. Come on, man. It ruins the whole mystique. Stop. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, Eminem on Paul Pod for a curtain call two. We won't see you next time. Peace. <laughs>